This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. Considering that Dante is writing about paradise, Canto 22 of the Paradiso starts on a surprisingly ominous note. Dante has just communed with Peter Damien, a saint renowned for his self-denial, piety, and obedience to God. They have been joined by a crowd of contemplatives, people who, like Damien, have lived lives singularly focused on spiritual devotion. One would expect the company of contemplatives to be quiet, reflective, and comforting. However, these contemplative souls have just emitted a cry so loud, so jarring, that Dante is unnerved. Beatrice, Dante's guide through the spheres of heaven, interprets the contemplative's cry. The voices, she says, are condemning the church's corruption. The church will pay a terrible price, she predicts, for theft from the poor, for deceit, for indifference to human need. Again, surprisingly, this loud condemnation has broken through the promise and joy of paradise. In his heavenly journey, as Canto 22 begins, Dante has just witnessed God's wrath. Distraught, Dante turns to Beatrice, who offers theological perspective. Her response is soothing. All things spring from love and paradise, she reassures him. Apparently, even God's judgment springs from love. Love for those injured by avarice and love for goodness itself. Anger toward injustice arises from love for justice. Although judgment is difficult to witness, what kind of God would God be if God did not love all that is good and were not offended by all that is evil? The vengeance of heaven, Beatrice affirms, is timely. It's not impulsive. It's not delayed. It's not ineffectual. It's necessary. It's justified. God's wrath is, in the end, born of love. At this point in the Paradiso narrative, we are in sphere seven of the nine spheres of heaven. This is the sphere of Saturn, the outermost planet visible to the naked eye. The focus of this sphere is temperance, one of four classical virtues. Specifically, Christian virtues of faith, hope, and love will come next when Dante enters the more perfect sphere of the fixed stars. But here, the central theme is moderation, a virtue widely recognized by classical figures, including Plato and Aristotle, as key to a good and rational life. Temperance, the overarching value giving meaning to this account, to this canto, requires self-restraint, restraint from pride, restraint from greed, restraint from excess. Beatrice now directs Dante's attention to other souls in this sphere. One draws close. This is, it turns out, the soul of St. Benedict, a model of temperance. Benedict, the famously influential teacher of obedience and humility, had lived eight centuries before Dante's birth. The fact that this saint, so long gone, appears in Dante's allegory of paradise speaks to the power and insight of his teaching. 
Benedict, the founder of Western Christian monasticism, had long guided monastic communities in their devotion to God through his written rule. Dante, seeking to know Benedict more fully, asks to see his unveiled image. Not yet is the reply. This and all perfect secrets will be known to you when you reach the final sphere, the sphere where God resides, responds Benedict. Even in heaven, as in the Garden of Eden, knowledge sought is not always accessible and not always timely. Pointing to a symbol representing the journey ahead, Benedict directs Dante to the image of a golden ladder reaching to highest heaven. This ladder is familiar from the story of biblical patriarch Jacob. Jacob, the second son of Isaac and Rebekah, had sought blessing, deceiving his blind father in order to receive the birthright due his older brother. In a subsequent dream, Jacob received a vision of a ladder reaching into heaven with angels ascending and descending. Although there would be difficult steps and seasons of exile along the way, this ladder, reaching to God, conveyed assurance of future blessing for Jacob and his descendants despite Jacob's dishonesty. Jacob's ladder, a promise for the patriarch, is now a promise for Dante as well. Like Father Damien and the other contemplative souls, St. Benedict denounces the greed of church officials. In contrast, he points to examples like Peter, who, having nothing, followed Christ. He points to his own practices of prayer and fasting as the ground for a life of obedience to God. He points to St. Francis, living in poverty, whose life was devoted to spiritual priorities. In contrast, Benedict laments the futility of having written his famous rule, his principles for righteous living. These principles in Dante's time are now being ignored by corrupt clergy. My rule lives on only to fill the parchment it lays waste, bemoans Benedict. Monks and even the Pope are, toward the end of the Middle Ages, violating laws of moral order. Clergy are using money intended for the poor for their own ends. As Benedict affirms, living in poverty and humility is fertile ground for spiritual life. Instead, he despairs monastic life has been contaminated by greed, by self-absorption, and by excess. As the specter of St. Benedict fades, Beatrice draws Dante further up the ladder, pointing him toward God. However, first, she says, he should look back toward the vast universe from which he has come. Dante turns and looks. Through the spheres of heaven, he sees the small globe of earth. From this vantage point, earth, like earthly pleasures, appears insignificant. While all that this world represents seems vast and important during our mortal lives, says Dante, I saw the dusty little threshing ground that makes us ravenous for our mad sins. With earthly existence now in proper perspective, he turns and looks back into the eyes of Beatrice. You are so close to final blessedness, she urges him on. In this stage of Dante's allegorical journey through paradise, we first notice the central role of the contemplatives. Most of us think little about contemplative figures as central to the church today. We often view them as people who are passive, 
unrealistic, and out of touch with the world. Our leaders in 21st century American Christianity are so often those who fit leadership caricatures of our culture—the dynamic, the confident, the powerful. But in earlier ages, contemplatives were recognized as playing a crucial role in the flourishing of the Christian Church. As people who rested in God, they devoted their lives to prayer and to service. They committed themselves to poverty so as not to be distracted by pecuniary concerns. Ironically, as humble people, patient with what they could not know, they seemed particularly clear about what matters most. From Father Damien to St. Hildegard, from St. Teresa of Avila to St. Benedict, contemplatives were so pure of heart that they served as a rudder, directing the Church back to its center across the span of centuries. Second, Canto 22 offers insight into a theological issue that has challenged people of faith—God's judgment. Passages about God's loving and forgiving nature are central to biblical teaching and deeply reassuring. In contrast, scripture that exposes God's wrath or vengeance can be difficult to reconcile and sobering to read. And so, while one brief canto can't adequately capture God's complex nature, it is significant that God's judgment and God's love are described as consistent realities linked together. God's love is the foundation, Beatrice affirms, of all that happens in paradise, even the condemnation of sin. A loving God loves us and loves justice. A loving God is full of mercy, including mercy toward those who are oppressed. In the face of justice and mistreatment, God's righteous indignation is inevitable. It's all about God's love. Finally, like so much of the Divine Comedy, Canto 22 offers perspective on what matters most. Through St. Benedict, we're reminded that we're called to humility and simplicity, to temperance. We're warned against exaggerating the importance of earthly pleasures. We're warned against excess. We are enjoined to focus on God and to respond to the claim of God on our lives. In contrast, looking back at the world, a world that you and I have now seen in perspective through pictures from the expanse of space, we realize the relative insignificance of our own globe. This is Dante's realization, too. The way forward is to hold in our hearts what matters most. The way forward is the way of Benedict. The way forward toward God is the ladder of promise. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Torrey Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.